Hi everyone, welcome to Dan Snow's History Hit. I'm on the west bank of the Nile now, which locals call the side of the dead, because this is the side where the great necropolis is, the Valley of the Kings, and this valley that I'm in now, right next to the Valley of the Kings. I'm looking at a gigantic amphitheatre of limestone cliffs. Beyond them is the Valley of the Kings, but underneath is the most perfectly proportioned temple in the world. The greatest temple in Egypt, I think, and that is the Temple of Hatshepsut, a pharaoh, a pharaoh who lived as long before Jesus was born as Henry VIII lived after him. 1500 BC, a pharaoh that ruled for decades, presiding over a powerful Egypt, one of the great builder pharaohs, huge amounts of monuments, and a pharaoh who established trade and prosperity. And that pharaoh, surprise, surprise, folks, was a woman. Hatshepsut was a woman. Go figure. Anyway, this is her temple. It's in the desert on the edge of the fertile strip that runs along the banks of the Nile here on the west side. And what's so extraordinary about this temple up close is the contrast between the, the rough limestone cliffs behind it, shaped by nature, and then in front of them, the carved, beautifully crafted stonework of this New Kingdom temple, right next to each other. And I'm looking now at the colonnades, you can see through these colonnaded walkways, you can see still the ancient paint still on the walls depicting scenes of ships going up the Nile, which obviously I'm a big fan of that, that's wonderful. And then you've got all sorts of other mythical scenes with the Egyptian pantheon featured and scenes that are supposed to be drawn from her reign. It's been extensively restored, rebuilt, Hatshepsut's temple, which does make it one of the most striking temples anywhere in the world. I'm about to go in and learn about one of history's most remarkable leaders. Enjoy. So Dr. Baha, we're standing now looking out over this temple. You're in charge of all the West Bank, but yes. is this one of the finest on your patch? Yeah, I think that's the, the best temple that you can see in Egypt, the temple of the Queen Hatshepsut. We say it's a temple. Did she build it for herself? Yes. Yeah. yeah. This temple is different temples than the temples on the east bank of Luxor, like the temple of Karnak and Luxor. Those temples, we call them the temple of the gods. So they build for the gods. But the Queen Hatshepsut built this temple for herself, just to let the people come and pray to her spirit. I mean, it's the most unbelievable setting. It's the most dramatic architecture. She's never going to be forgotten. Of course, because the landscape of the area, it's different. The mountain around here, it's different. The mountain, a beautiful site that the queen chose that site to build in Luxor to build a beautiful temple like that. The design itself, the three levels design, it's unique. So queen wanna do something remarkable, something unbelievable to say, I am here. How did she become this female pharaoh? She was one of the royal family who lived during the 18th dynasty, about 1500 BC. She was the daughter of a king called Thutmose I. She was married to the king Thutmose II. She had three daughters and got her son called Thutmose III. The father of Thutmose II, the husband of the queen, died, while Thutmose III, the son, was in his six years old. So the rules in ancient time that the son should be the king of Egypt. But Hatshepsut felt this is something unfair, you know? I'm a daughter of a king, a wife of a king, so this is my turn to be on the throne of Egypt. So she ruled it with the boy Thutmosis III for four years. And after the four years, she sent the boy outside of Egypt to the army. And she ruled it Egypt alone for 18 years. So 18 years. 
the people expected that how women could be the king of Egypt. Egypt wasn't a normal country in ancient time. Egypt was a, such an amazing, and we, we were the center of the old nations in ancient time. But she managed it. How unusual was it for Egypt to have a female pharaoh? We had some of them, but nobody liked Hatshepsut. She ruled Egypt 18 years on the throne of Egypt. She dressed as a man. She said, I'm a king of Egypt, not the queen of Egypt. Okay. She erected two obelisks in Karnak Temple. So she was a different woman. 18 years to be the king of Egypt for a woman, something unbelievable. And how does she portray herself? Because we can see these statues. She's got the beard. She's holding the scepters of ancient Egypt. Did she deliberately sort of try and project that masculine image? Of course, because on that time, Egypt was a strong country. So nobody think that woman can be the king of Egypt. So she put herself in a masculine image. She dressed as a man. She bought a full spirit. You know? She represented herself like a king. But in fact, she was a woman. And there's amazing images on the walls still with the paint because it's so preserved in the dry desert heat. What are the images from her reign? What does she choose to portray? She depicts all these beautiful images, like uh, the Egyptian boats, the river, the Red Sea images, and the Red Sea fish, and then the houses in Somalia, the king of Somalia, the Egyptian army, the trees that they got from Somalia, and both them here. And also she did amazing chapels for the goddess Hathor, the goddess of love, music, dancing in ancient time. And also she put a beautiful shrine to the god Anubis and another shrine for the god Amun-Re. By the way, it wasn't easy that the queen bought herself as the king of Egypt, but the high priest of Karnak Temple made a beautiful story for the queen and he told all the Egyptian people queen was the daughter of the god Amun-Re, the god of Karnak Temple. That's why she put a beautiful representation of the divine birth of the queen from the god Amun-Re. Important, she had the priests on her side as well. That's oh, exactly. Yeah. She was so amazing woman. She controlled some of the people to help her, like the high priest, the general of the army, and the architect, the one who designed this beautiful temple for her. And... Were people supposed to come here? Was it just for priests and senior members of Egyptian society? What did she want to happen here after she was dead? She built this temple for her spirit. She expected that the people would come to the temple to pray to her spirit, to let her live safety on the second life. Even she was the king of Egypt, but she hoped that she will have a beautiful life on the second life. How will become that? by the people who give offering to her spirit, to pray to her spirit, so she will live in her second life safety with the gods. And we're looking at this amazing kind of cliff above us. Over that cliff, over that ridge, is the Valley of the Kings, where the new kings are buried, her successors. What was their relationship with this building here? Was this part of the reason they moved into the valley? Actually, the location of the temple is such an amazing. Not because Valley of the Kings behind us, and we have something else, something very important. If you look straight from here, in just in a straight line to the East Bank, you will cross the agricultural area, the River Nile. What do you will see behind that? Karnak oh, Temple. Karnak. Yeah, this is see. Karnak yeah. 
temple over there. You can see the high walls over there. So she want to connect Karnak, the temple of her father, by Valley of the Kings, where her tomb will be there. So the three sites will be on the same line. That was the Queen Hatshepsut. The landscape of the area, the mountain, the cliffs here, will give you the impression that the mountain surrounding the temple, protecting the temple of the queen. Such a unique temple in our civilization. And after the death of the queen, the boy went back to the throne of Egypt and he became the king Thutmose III, the great warrior of Egypt. He was a great king. Did he like his stepmother? No, of course. <laughs> you know what happened? You know, he chiseled all the names and the images of the queen from everywhere. From Karnak Temple, from her temple, from the tomb. Everywhere you will see the name of the queen, Hatshepsut, had been chiseled by Thutmose III. Okay? But I think that the queen made a favor for that boy. When she sent him to the army, he stayed on the army and he became the great warrior of Egypt. He ruled Egypt about 37 years. He made 17 wars against the neighbor of Egypt. The Egyptian army in one time arrived to Iraq okay, and to the south, to Nubia. So he erected the empire of Egypt. I think that was because the queen sent him to the army to get his education on the army of Egypt. And she, and she made Egypt such a prosperous, stable place that he had a good platform to build for. Of course, of yeah. course, the relation between Egypt and the other country around us was such an amazing, that was the queen, Hatshepsut. Egypt was so rich country. She was a peaceful country during the time of the queen, Hatshepsut. That was the queen of Egypt. What would this have looked like, say, 500 years ago during the Ottoman period? All of these temples and the tombs were covered by the sand. So you can't see much on the time. You know, can we say that uh, more than 80% from the temples in Luxor were covered? So just ruins of the building. Sometimes you didn't care when you walk around them. But the amazing thing that you can imagine yourself walking around the desert and then suddenly your donkey will fall down in a well or a shaft. And then you will just get it from out, you will see a door of a tomb in front of you and a lot of treasures there. That was such an amazing feeling, I think, on that time. What an extraordinary time to be down here. And so even, even Hatshepsut's temple, which now stands so proud, was this covered in sand as well? Yes. Can we say that 60% of this temple were covered in sand? And actually, the temple was in a, in, in a bad condition. As I told you before, that Moses III, the stepson of the Queen Hatshepsut, damaged most of the inscription, as you can see around you. And also, during the Christian people, the 5th century AD, some of the uh, priests came here and they stayed and they used that temple as a church. So that's why, until today, we call this temple the Northern Monastery. Yes, the Northern Monastery means the Temple of the Queen Hatshepsut. So after that time, I mean after the 5th century, so the temple, 60% from the temple covered by the sand, but you can still see the ruins of the temple from everywhere. And what's the greatest experience you've had? You must have been every new discovery, and they must call you up straight away on your back phone. Yeah, I think that every discovery that we made on the last few years had a story, you know, but uh, the most important one, the most amazing one, it was 
in my last season when we decided that's enough, we're done. And suddenly we just tried to gather all of the equipment from the sites and said, uh, okay, we finished, let's go, okay, took all of the equipment out from this area. And then suddenly one of the workers come to me and said, sir, we found a gap. Oh, wow, a gap. Oh, clean it. Quickly, please. So we found a step. Oh, this is a step. It means that's the way of a tomb. So we said, nobody move from that spot. <laughs> Stay here until we do the full excavation of that stairs. Oh, we found six stairs and then we found the entrance of a tomb. So we spent one more year doing the excavation on the site. So it means that whenever you say we done, we finished. No, stand more. Still more underneath. I remember what Davis said in uh, 1914 before he left the Valley of the Kings, and this is one of the sentences that he said to Carter. By the way, he said to him, it's almost finished. No more tombs in Valley of the Kings. So I think Carter on that time had got disappointed from that word, but he didn't care. But that's actually the feeling of all of the Egyptologists. Whatever you said to the Egyptologists, no more tombs, no. This is not the truth. Yeah. Still more underneath. So you're telling me you're telling me that today, in the Valley of the Kings, there's still tombs to be discovered. Still tombs. Still. And that's why we are looking for tombs in the Valley of the Kings until today. Listen, and call me. Call me when you find it. <laughs> I want to no, be with you. You know, normally we say, well, every hundred years, we have a surprise. What about disturbing these mummies? Are you interrupting their journey in the afterlife? Sometimes you feel that uh, we have to leave them feel safety in their tombs. But on the other hand, we have to protect them because the atmosphere around the mummies have been changed. So we, I think we are going to miss all of them if we left them on the tombs. So that's why we are moving them to a museum in an atmosphere to put the mummies in a good condition, to feel safety yeah. that the mummies will stay forever. They'll be happy there. They'll be happy in this museum. They will be happy. I feel the hand of history on our shoulders. All this tradition of ours, our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of Dance Notes History. As I say all the time, I love doing these podcasts. They are the best thing I do professionally. I feel very lucky to have you listening to them. If you fancied giving them a rating and review, obviously the best rating review possible would be ideal. It makes a big difference to us. I know it's a pain, but we'd really, really be grateful. And if you want to listen to the other podcasts in our ever-increasing stable, don't forget we've got Susanna Lipscomb with Not Just the Tudors, that's flying high in the charts. We've got our medieval podcast, Gone Medieval, with the brilliant Matt Lewis and Kat Jarman. We've got The Ancients with our very own Tristan Hughes. And we've got Warfare as well, dealing with all things military. Please go and check those out wherever you get your pods. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.